and welcome to Women Positively Aging, the podcast for women in midlife and older who want to live well for longer. I'm your host, Barbara Bray, registered nutritionist in the UK and PhD researcher in healthy aging diets at Queen's University, Belfast. I'm looking forward to guiding you through this series where we learn from the experts in the latest science, as well as people with lived experience about the things that we can do to live well for longer. Hello and welcome to this episode of Women Positively Aging, where we'll be talking about heart health and menopause. Heart disease tends to be considered as a man's problem and high blood pressure, cholesterol, stress and too much drinking and smoking are common problems for men. The reality is the risk of coronary heart disease increases for women after menopause. But there's good news and that's that there are changes that we can make in our daily lives that can reduce the risk factors for coronary heart disease and stroke. We're going to hear about how changes to the diet can help reduce cholesterol levels, disease risk and manage other menopausal symptoms. I'll be speaking to researcher Dr. Laura Wyness. Laura is an award-winning freelance nutritionist who specialises in nutrition writing, workplace wellness and nutrition communications. Laura studied public health and nutrition at the University of Aberdeen and now with over 15 years experience working in food innovation and academic research, she loves reviewing the scientific evidence and translating it into clear messages. Her work includes offering online nutrition consultations and she has provided dietary advice for many perimenopausal women. In collaboration with fellow registered nutritionist Lynn Burns, she has helped develop e-books and online courses on eating well for menopause. Laura, welcome to today's episode and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to, to chat with you today. Thank you. And I'd like to open, if you can tell us why you're interested in working with perimenopausal and menopausal women and what have you learned? Well, I, I guess a personal um, reason, I am now in my 40s, so if it's of personal interest. But yeah, there are 15 million women in the UK currently peri or post-menopausal. And it's something that 51% of the population will go through. So it's a hugely important life stage to look at. And it's really not talked about much, although the conversation is opening up a lot more recently, but it's really not been covered much in education and health professionals. I remember at university uh, when studying my undergraduate degree, it, I think it got a brief mention um, mm. about maybe bone health and foods that might trigger hot flushes, but nothing really about heart health or, or any of the other symptoms really. And so I'm really interested in what does the science mean in terms of the advice that we give to menopausal women, because that's the questions that women want to know. What foods should they be eating more of or less of? And what are some useful recipes and healthy snacks? And I think it's been fascinating for me to learn more about nutrition and menopause as it's been mm -hmm. such a neglected area of research for the past. And there's still so much to learn. It's a really exciting area of nutrition and health to explore. Um, the, the Lancet just last year published a paper on women and cardiovascular disease. And it mm -hmm. concluded that it's understudied, under-recognized, under-diagnosed and under-treated. And women wow. remain 
really underrepresented in many cardiovascular disease clinical trials. So there's a real need for much better understanding of the differences that exist between men and women in terms of heart health. Um, and that report or the paper included a number of different calls of action to you know, have more research and raise awareness and, and close that knowledge gaps. Um, and it is great to see from a policy point of view now, it has been moving up the agenda. Um, we've got women's health plans now in Scotland and England. Um, but I do feel that the questions that women ask when I do one-to-one -one consultations, it's often women ask about, you know, menopause and weight, menopause and bone mm -hmm. health. What can I do to help keep my skin and hair in good condition? What can I do to help with sleep and hot flushes and my mood? Um, mm. But very rarely do women ask about heart health. And, you know, mm. it's not really something that's at the forefront of women's minds, I think, in terms of when they hit menopause. Um, and cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death in women post-menopause. And it's often, we think about breast cancer as the leading concern mm -hmm. of women, but women are nine times more likely to die of cardiovascular disease than from breast cancer. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that to belittle the importance or seriousness of breast cancer, but just simply to raise awareness of the importance and kind of magnitude of cardiovascular disease. Um, and I think what really is interesting is that the awareness of heart disease as a leading cause of death among women appears to be decreasing. So there's a recent survey done in the US that found a drop in awareness from 65% down to 44% over the course of the last kind of 10 years of heart disease being a leading cause of death. So far fewer women are now thinking about their heart health um, mm -hmm. when they reach menopause. And it, as you say, it's often thought of as a man's disease. I think you're right. And it's interesting because all the publicity that surrounds heart disease and heart health, it feels like it's focused on men. But when I think of the last two or three people I know who've had coronary heart disease or a heart attack, they've been women. So even in my own experience, you know, that should tell me that something is not right with the perception of it. It's already within my own lived experience, I know that it's a risk and I know the consequences of that lack of awareness, people not realising this is what's happening to me and this is how I need to react. So it's great that you're raising this awareness and it's great that we can get this message out there and people can realise the importance of it and the impact that it will have on them if they don't take it seriously. So let's get stuck in, Laura. I'd like to talk about menopause symptoms, actually, and the impact on heart health and cholesterol levels. So we can talk about that next. Absolutely. So, I mean, women are affected by menopause differently. So some women have very few symptoms, whereas others experience quite a lot and quite severe. And there's, I think, well over 30 recognised symptoms now of menopause. Um, I think around 20% of women tend to have no symptoms or very few symptoms. But even if women don't have any symptoms, they're just as at risk from the effects of the drop in oestrogen and, and uh, on heart health uh, as those who do have lots of symptoms. So there, there's quite a few menopausal symptoms that can impact heart health. For example, feeling tired or headaches and muscle and joint pain might lead to women being less active or more sedentary for longer periods, which can increase risk of heart disease. Um, yeah. We know that lack of sleep has been linked with an increased risk of heart disease and stroke factors. 
and anxiety and stress, which often increases around perimenopause, that's been linked with uh, high blood pressure, which is one of the main risk factors of heart disease. And oestrogen mm -hmm. has, has, has many effects on the body and it has a protective health effects, which are lost after menopause. And these include protective effects on the heart. Um, so there's a couple of ways that um, oestrogen protects the heart. Um, and these include things like changes to the body shape and body composition, mm -hmm. blood pressure and cholesterol levels. Um, so these are all kind of key areas. Thanks for that, Lauren. I just wanted to mention that we're recording this in October, which is Cholesterol Awareness Month. Can you tell us a bit more about oestrogen and its impact on cholesterol? Yeah, sure. So we, we know that oestrogen helps control cholesterol levels and reduces the risk of fatty plaques building up inside the artery walls. So the decrease in oestrogen around menopause is linked with an increase in total cholesterol, mainly due to an increase in LDL cholesterol, which is considered the, the bad type of cholesterol. So yeah, there's a lot going on around menopause. And these are things that we notice, isn't it? So when you talk to other menopausal women or women in perimenopause, body shape is one of the first things that we see. It's that middle ground. You know, obviously, I've had the, the podcast episode on belly fat, and that's one of the things that was really popular. People just wanted to know, why is this happening to me and why can't I control it? But actually, it's related to estrogen levels. Absolutely. It was, yeah, it was a really good episode actually with Margaret Ashwell, um, explaining everything about body shape and essential obesity. But yeah, I mean, the drop in estrogen does make us store more fat around our waist and the rate that we gain body fat increases as well. Um, estrogen kind of basically increases the storage of that peripheral fat. So mainly around mm -hmm. the bum and the thigh region, while the male hormones, the androgens increase accumulation of visceral abdominal fat, so fat around the middle and around the organs, yes. including the heart. So the the drop in oestrogen, um, or as oestrogen drops, you may find your body shape changes from a pear towards an apple shape, yeah. and uh, unfortunately. And studies show that postmenopausal women have a higher body fat percentage and a larger waist mm -hmm. circumference in general than pre-menopausal women. So there is a a bit of a change in, mm -hmm. in shape. Um, and with body composition as well, that can change as well. So after the age of around 40, our muscle mass starts to decline mm -hmm. at a rate of about 1% each year, but this decline speeds up around men the menopause transition and up to about two years after you hit menopause before again, continuing to decrease at a more steadier rate with aging. Um, but that decline in muscle mass leads to a decline in your basal metabolic rate. So that's the rate that your body needs to just function when you're absolutely doing nothing. When you're just lying there, yeah. your body still needs energy to breathe and digest and everything. Um, but with a reduced basal metabolic rate, that makes it a lot easier to gain weight. And women tend to gain about two to three kilograms over the course of the menopausal transition. There's a wide variation yes. on that. but um, mm -hmm. that along with the change in body shape may make it feel like you're gaining weight or gaining more weight than you actually mm -hmm. are. 
Um, but it's important, I would say, to support your muscle mass because your heart is a muscle after all, um, mm -hmm. by making sure you get enough protein in your diet and spacing it throughout the day as well. That's, that's really important to have kind of protein at every meal. Okay, so we'll come on to talk a bit more about diet and its impacts. But before we do that, can we talk about blood pressure and cholesterol, which are also quite important? Yeah, so these are the kind of main risk factors, if you like, for heart health or heart disease. So blood pressure, we know, increases with age and is a risk factor for heart disease. And oestrogen helps relax and widen blood vessels so blood can flow a lot more easily. Um, it's not completely clear if the decrease in oestrogen around menopause directly impacts blood pressure or if blood pressure is more indirectly affected by some of the other symptoms women might have during menopause, such as anxiety or poor sleep or reduced activity that might occur around about this time. Um, there's generally very few notable symptoms of high blood pressure. So I'd say it's definitely important to keep a check on your blood pressure around around menopause. Um, and also cholesterol levels. Again, mm -hmm. no real notable symptoms of having high cholesterol. So definitely keep a check on that. And I think cholesterol is something I hadn't really appreciated until once I started looking into this a bit more, the impact menopause has on cholesterol levels. So cardiovascular disease tends to occur in women a bit later on in life than in men. So up to the, around the age of 45, more men than women have raised cholesterol. However, after this age, it seems that there's a switch and far mm. more women than men tend to have raised cholesterol. And studies show there's often a sharp increase in cholesterol levels during the year around when women have their final menstrual period. So around that menopause okay. um, time, your cholesterol levels can uh, increase quite sharply. Um, so 66% of women, two in every three women, aged between 55 and 64 have high cholesterol in the UK. Wow. So there's quite a huge amount and probably a lot of those women are maybe not aware of it. So it okay. is something to keep a check on. That's really helpful. We'll remind people of that at the end of the episodes. They've got their go-to, their list of things to do when they finish listening. And now I'd like to talk about foods and nutrients. So can we touch on what we can do to help reduce our cholesterol levels, but also improve our diet quality as we head into menopause? Absolutely. So a heart healthy diet would be, I would say, a plant-rich Mediterranean style of diet. Um, there's also a diet called the DASH diet, which is very focused on reducing salt um, mm -hmm. in our diet. And the portfolio diet is another example. But basically, these are all heart healthy diets that follow the same um, kind of principles. So they have lots of kind of whole grains, lots of fruits and vegetables and pulses and legumes, nuts and healthy fats and mm. oily fish and they're low in saturated fat. Um, and it's, it's well established that saturated fat intakes are linearly correlated to uh, serum cholesterol levels and mm -hmm. in particular helping um, or if you reduce your saturated fat, it really helps lower the LDL or the bad cholesterol. So mm -hmm. if you can replace saturated fats in your diet with healthier unsaturated fats and mm -hmm. more complex carbohydrates, that's really important for heart health. 
Um, but yeah, plenty whole grains and fibrous foods and um, not too much salt as well is a general kind of heart healthy diet. Um, and one of the diets I kind of recommend uh, for more practical reasons uh, is the UCLP, which is the ultimate cholesterol lowering plan. And it's a heart okay. healthy plan developed back in 2011 in collaboration with Heart UK and other kind of leading health and nutrition experts. And that kind of brings together all the key heart healthy dietary recommendations. And it's presented in a, a very user friendly way. So there's lots of um, resources on the website and fact sheets and checklists and um, recipes and suggestions of swaps to make. Um, and yeah, the, the plan can be followed by by anyone. Um, there's it's kind of a, a three-step plan. It's very flexible um, and yeah, provides all the kind of nutrients for, for heart health. That's brilliant. And what I'll do is I'll pop that in the show notes as well so people can click on the link and um, have a look at that diet in more detail. So it's great that we talked about the nutrients in particular, but what I'd really like to delve into is what does that look like in terms of food? So if you've got your shopping list and you want to have, say, your top five things on your shopping list, what would you put? Oh, um, I would. So thinking about reducing saturated fat, I would choose healthier fats so things like um, nuts and seeds would definitely be mm -hmm. on my shopping list um, and healthy um, oils like um, olive oil and rapeseed oil mm -hmm. um, and oily fish as well so including an oily fish once a week um, so that provides omega-3 which helps contribute to mm -hmm. good heart function and, and lots of other healthy heart healthy vitamins and minerals um so yeah there'd be oily fish on there as well um, and we did touch on that actually in the brain health episode so we had a really good chat about mackerel and and sardines yeah. <laughs> so obviously scotland for mackerel and cornwall for its sardines it's keeping it <laughs> it's keeping it in the uk but obviously you can have the uh, oily fish from other countries too <laughs> absolutely and in terms um, of whole grains what whole grains would you recommend yeah, well, for whole grains, um, oats are great. Um, mm -hmm. So again, coming from Scotland, I definitely <laughs> big up the oats. And um, yeah, oats and barley actually are really useful food for in terms of heart health because they have mm -hmm. a specific type of fiber called beta glucans, yeah. and this fiber can um, help lower cholesterol levels. Um, so yeah, having porridge um, or any oat-based cereals or oat cakes um, mm -hmm. or a barley broth or adding barley to stew, um, yeah, that would be really useful for helping lower cholesterol and, and promoting heart health. So oats would definitely be on my shopping list. <laughs> I'd buy them in massive bags. I, I love oats, can't get enough of them. And something that I've, I've touched on recently, and probably because I heard it in one of your talks last year, is um, foods fortified with plant stanols and sterols. So I've been scouring the supermarkets near me for anything that's got that on the label. Anything you can, in particular you can recommend or is anything with that label okay to have? Yeah, so plant stanols and sterols um, are, yeah, really useful. If you do have high cholesterol, um, then these fortified products can be really useful to help reduce cholesterol. Um, so you get different types of products that have been fortified with plant stanols and sterols, like spreads or the little shot drinks um, or yogurts. Um, so there's a couple of different products uh, that you can 
incorporate uh, into the diet. So yeah, some of them are dairy free as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's, there's a little bit of choice there and, and they're useful to have along with a meal. That's important to help um, make them more effective. Um, but yeah, the, these can definitely help. Um, the evidence shows that it can help reduce cholesterol by around 10% after using them daily for about three weeks. Um, but as I say, it's only really useful for if you, if you do have high cholesterol. Oh, so that's quite a different sense. So if you haven't got high cholesterol, is there any advantage in having them or is it just about for people who have high cholesterol already? It's really just about if you know you've high cholesterol, then mm -hmm. yeah, these would definitely be good to have on your shopping list and, and to include. Um, but yeah, if the, the other foods as well, I mean, they all add um, a heart health benefit. So having nuts and seeds and the, mm -hmm. the oats and barley and um, and soya foods as well are really good. They're a, a really good high quality protein, but the, the soya protein seems to help lower the LDL cholesterol in particular. Um, so it's a good plant protein to include. And also there's evidence to show that adding soya to your diet might help with the uh, hot flushes. So it might help reduce frequency and severity of hot flushes if you add a, a couple of portions of soya a day. So it's a good one for heart health and for hot flushes. And that's really helpful. But the thing that always makes me smile is when you see people cramming these things into their supermarket trolley and then you see they've got a couple of bo bottles of wine or, you know, like <laughs> a bottle of vodka. It's like, OK, <laughs> it's, it's not about that that cancels, you know, one thing cancels the other out. It's about making sure that it's a balanced diet, isn't it? So if you are going to yeah. go on a complete bender at the weekend, then it's probably no point buying the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Context is everything, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So thanks for those tips on diet. What I'd like to focus on now is the other menopausal symptoms that you get, such as poor sleep and, and bladder issues. How can that impact heart health? Yeah, so I think poor poor sleep, I think, is often considered as just part of aging for many women. Um, and we know that sleep disturbances do tend to increase with age, partly due to the decrease in melatonin. So that's a hormone involved in our sleep-wake cycle. Uh, but melatonin decreases a lot quicker around menopause. So women do tend to have more issues with sleep than men do. And mm -hmm. estrogen and progesterone seem to be very helpful in getting a good night's sleep. So again, with the dip in these hormones around menopause, it can make having uh, a good night's sleep quite challenging. Um, mm -hmm. And whilst an occasional poor night's sleep is unlikely to have much of an impact on your, your health, Having regular disrupted sleep can have a significant impact on health and well-being, and in particular, your uh, risk of heart disease. So we know mm -hmm. that a lack of sleep raises the level of stress hormones, and this can have a, a negative effect on blood pressure and heart health. So mm -hmm. getting good sleep is, is really important. Um, and then, yeah, bladder issues, again, is a really common menopausal symptom that's really not talked about a lot in women. So nocturia, for example, is when you have to wake up more than twice during the night to empty the mm -hmm. bladder. That's considered um, to have an impact on health by the fact that it reduces your sleep. And say. it is more common um, in both men and women as we get older, but women mm -hmm. are more likely to be affected by this than men. And mm -hmm. some figures suggest that around 40% of women over 40 report having nocturia, so having to get up during the night. 
Um, yeah. And again, it's probably down to the fact that melatonin uh, mm -hmm. drops significantly um, and the drop in estrogen also directly impacts the pelvic region and the way that the, the, the bladder functions. So okay. women often find the bladder a bit more controlling and mm -hmm. demanding to be emptied a bit more. So mm -hmm. the demands can be quite urgent. So it's not surprising that many women, I think, consciously drink less to avoid being mm -hmm. caught short, especially if they're traveling or going out for a walk and there's no toilets nearby or um, thinking about um, hydration because hydration is really important for heart health as well. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. We know that staying well hydrated helps your heart function and helps your muscles work more efficiently. So your heart, again, you know, it's a muscle. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, having being well hydrated is really important. And if I think it's useful for women to think, you know, am I drinking enough water or am I actually consciously drinking less to avoid being caught short? Yes. Um, and it's an important question to ask. And we don't really know how many women are suffering from kind of mm -hmm. these bladder issues, um, but definitely don't suffer in silence. If it's impacting your your quality of life, then do speak to your GP. It is a really common issue and mm -hmm. there are solutions and keeping well hydrated is really important for heart health, but all sorts of health impacts. So do, I would say, keep a bladder diary and speak to your GP about it and just be open and, and yeah, get the help and support. And that's good advice as well, because you wouldn't necessarily think it's important to keep a diary. So yes, it's all very well making a GP appointment, but they're going to ask you what has been happening. And if you can't remember because you've got brain fog and lots of other problems, yeah. it's going to be an issue, isn't it? So I like the idea of keeping a diary and actually seeing whether it is impacting you. And one thing I found quite helpful, actually, I've got a Fitbit and it does tell me what my sleep has been like. So in my head, I might think I've had the worst week of sleep. I'll go and look at my Fitbit and actually it tells me I've had consistent sleep for the last seven days <laughs> so what i think is inconsistent sleep is not what fitbit tells me is inconsistent <laughs> sleep hearing what you're saying now about having to get up twice in the night actually i didn't realize that it could get that bad so um, i'm actually grateful for my poor quality sleep that is actually not as poor quality as i thought it was <laughs> there's a whole lot of other symptoms to head my way fantastic <laughs> But it's good that there are solutions out there because I think what would stress me out is, is if I thought there's an issue that I can't resolve and I'm having to reduce taking, you know, in fluids to compensate. I think that's quite dangerous, isn't it, when you don't hydrate properly because um, it has impacts not on just your health, on your heart, but also for brain health and, and cognition. So that's um, a serious issue if people aren't drinking enough and hydrating properly. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And if people are not drinking enough, uh, you know, it may lead to, you know, stop and go into an exercise class if, if they know mm -hmm. that they're going to have to take several toilet trips during that class, or mm -hmm. you may not go out for that long walk if you know that there's, you know, there's no toilets on the way. Um, so it, it can have a, an impact on activity levels as well. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, if it's an impact in your life choices and, and quality of life, then definitely, yeah, speak to help help professional about it yeah that's some really good advice and it, it's just made me reflect on some of the research that i'm doing looking at 
people as they age and how circumstances and environment can change your behavior. So you might end up with poor health behaviors, but it's not a conscious decision to change your behavior. Actually, what's happened is it's your circumstances, mm -hmm. physical limitations and the environment you're in. So for example, you go shopping and there aren't toilets, so you don't go out for as long and things like that can actually start to create poor health behaviors. And that's over the longer term, what reduces your healthy life expectancy and you start having problems earlier than later. So it's interesting. It's sometimes you don't actually realize that you've got constraints that are stopping you from having a good healthy life and that's what this podcast is all about is finding the things that you can do to overcome some of those challenges and and live a good healthy quality of life for as long as absolutely possible so it's been interesting to hear about all of these different things that we can do and first of all it's been interesting to understand how serious heart health is within women and particularly women of a menopausal and, and perimenopausal age so we shouldn't just think it's a man's disease we've really got to take it into account as something that will affect us so if you could just give us a summary of what we've just discussed Laura that'd be great absolutely so gosh um so I'd say yes um, it's, it's definitely, as you say, not a man's disease. Um, women lose the protective effect of oestrogen after menopause. So heart health, I'd say, is a, a really key thing to think about for perimenopausal and postmenopausal women. And also the other symptoms that women may be experiencing during the menopause transition can impact heart health. So um, yeah, if you're not getting good sleep or if you're reducing the activity, whether that's due to feeling fatigued or bladder issues or um, increased anxiety can increase risk of heart disease as well. So other symptoms can have an impact on heart health. Um, but I think what is important to know is that your diet and some nutrients can have a really big impact on a positive impact on heart health, um, whilst also along with that support and help helping you manage menopausal symptoms as well. So looking at your diet and following kind of a heart healthy diet and including heart healthy foods like soya foods and nuts and seeds and oats um, and lots of fruits and vegetables and have a plant rich diet that can be really useful um, for general menopause symptoms and for keeping your heart healthy. That's great. That's all positive things that we need to remember. So it's not just focusing on getting through the menopause as quickly as possible. It's about thinking of some of the longer term issues and the impact on our heart health. So let's just end on really t three top things that people should focus on to improve their heart health as they age. It was so difficult trying to come up with three, just three things. So um, I would say, first of all, Definitely check your cholesterol and blood pressure levels. Know what your numbers are. Mm -hmm. and, and even if you feel your diet is quite healthy and you're fairly active, it's worth checking, uh, yeah, your cholesterol and blood pressure. So definitely do that. Um, the second one would be a general heart healthy diet like the UCLP, the Ultimate Cholesterol Lowering Plan, which is lots of useful resources and recipes, as I say. So lots of oats and nuts and soya foods and um, plenty fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans and pulses and mycoprotein or the corn protein foods are really useful mm -hmm. um, and and an oily fish each week as well is useful for the healthy fats so a heart healthy diet um, yeah can make a huge difference to your heart and menopausal symptoms actually so it's good all round. 
And then the third one, um, I would say hydrate well, which yeah. uh, I would say, ask yourself, are you drinking enough? So about mm-hmm. one and a half to two litres a day of fluid um, or, you know, are you consciously reducing your fluid intake to maybe help manage bladder issues or avoiding having to get up during the night to pee? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you hydrating well? Because that mm-hmm. can help um, your heart function a lot better, but also it can help you manage some menopausal symptoms like hot flushes and brain mm-hmm. fog and fatigue. So helping um, staying well hydrated uh, is really important for for women going through the menopause, full stop for heart health and for symptoms. Um, so yeah, th- those would be my top three. That's brilliant. And I think especially for women of a menopausal age, it's not always easy to remember the massive long list of things that we need to be doing. But I have got show notes and I will put notes about all the things that you've spoken about, including the links to the ultimate cholesterol lowering plan. And uh, I did take your advice and try and get an appointment to book um, and get my cholesterol measured, but they were booked up till February. So I'm now on a waiting list for a cancellation. (laughs) So persevere, people. get it done through the post as well that's another alternative because i through personal experience i find some gps are a little bit reluctant to give um cholesterol tests Um, Ah. so yeah another option is Mm -hmm. through the post you can have a finger prick test and Mm -hmm. they're quite reliable um tests to do to to know your cholesterol levels and they they do give feedback as well so yeah there are other, other options (laughs) <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'll hold out for a cancellation and see if one comes through before February. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Laura, for a really useful discussion on menopause and heart health. I really appreciate now the importance of looking after heart health as well. So we've had a lot of things to think about in this series, but I think this has been incredibly helpful. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the podcast women positively aging it's been an absolute pleasure to host i do hope you have enjoyed what you've heard and feel confident about making changes that will help you live well for longer do subscribe give feedback comment on social media it'll be great to hear from you until next time stay well and see you soon Mm -hmm.